Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. What's going on? Oh, nothing. Got to meet with my Christian friends this morning. For the oh, how'd they go? One of them wasn't there. He had to work a little, but... Uh... The other two were, you know, and I had a fourth one that died of COVID. That's right. So one one had died since the last time we were together. It, it was good. You know, I'm glad to see everyone. They were talking about in church how, you know, they're all involved in, heavily involved in church. Two are very involved. One's an elder of a church. And they all have a really good, what I would think of as a good relationship with God. They're serious about you know, their wall, their, you know, they're, they're what people would call really, they would witness, they would do all that kind of stuff, right? One's a little quieter, but two of them would be outwardly very charismatic about what they believe and all of that. It was just interesting. I asked them how their relationship with God had changed, if it had influenced it, this, and they were all kind of like, no, not really. I was a little disappointed there wasn't more. They've gotten to a point and stopped, you know, with their seeking of, for some reason. I haven't quite identified that yet. Maybe because yeah. I still look, I say still looking, still uh, know there's more, I guess. Yeah. I don't think they know there's more. I think they're happy with what they got. I guess that's it kind of odd i've never seen that before with them you know now we we study stuff but it's really you know i i see new things all the time you know my walk with god just or what i think god is just changes continually i'm always having these little spiritual enlightenments all the time and i guess i'm a little disappointed they're not seeing them too yeah it's i mean it's hard to say like the the situation you know especially with you know, with the pandemic and everything and lockdowns and all of that stuff being what it is. I mean, everybody's going to deal with it a little bit differently, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But on the other hand, I mean, it is pretty, it's pretty easy to, I don't know. I just think in some ways that's human nature, you know, to feel like you've got it, to want to feel like you've got it figured out, to have, you know, feel like you have it settled. Um, I don't know. Once, you know, once you start thinking of things like in terms of, you know, mystery or there's, you know, there's more things to know. Uh, it gets a lot harder to, to, to not know. Yeah. And it makes you, uh, at first it made me uneasy to have the possibility that I don't have this figured out. You know, it's like, am I going to go to hell for this? That was my, you know, oh my God, wait a minute. Am, yeah. am I have, you know what I mean? All that stuff, that fear starts creeping in, you know? At first, that was, you know, like, what, what if I don't have it figured out? Oh my God, yeah. you know? And that vulnerableness that that brings. Yeah. And then learning That's to be comfortable with that, you know? So much of, uh, so much of my early Christianity was just this, like, it brings so much certainty. You know what I mean? They, uh, you, you, you have to know that you know that you know, and everybody around you knows. And there's, there's nobody that doesn't, there's nobody that doesn't know. You know what I mean? Everybody. Do you like, know yeah. you're going to heaven when you die? Yeah. That's the question, right? Yeah. And then, and then on top of that, you know, every, you know, if you're in church, everybody around you seems to, seems to know. They know, they know where they're going and they know that they know that they're doing it the right way. Now, I don't want to slam church. Well, I, I'm not, I'm not slamming church. I, mean, yeah, I just want to make sure that anybody who would listen, if I leave this in the podcast, knows that we're not being critical of church 
It's just uh, learning to get comfortable with be with not knowing, you know, because we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen when we die. We really don't know. Yeah. So we focus. I used to focus so much time on what was going to happen later that I never live now. Yeah. And, and it and it really made me not be concerned with the moment, not being concerned with the environment, not being concerned with really anything else except me being ready. And I would love people and do things for people oh, as a secondary thing, you know, instead of being yeah. in the moment. I was really never in the moment. Yeah, that's, I think that that's, that's kind of part of it. There's something about the, um, and again, I'm not, I'm, I wouldn't, I'm not knocking church or, or the institution. I mean, there's a. What's part of the path for us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, so it's nothing wrong with it. It was necessary for the path that we've been on. And it, if we, if we hadn't had that part, if I know if I hadn't had that part of the, the path, I, w- I wouldn't be where, you know, learning what I'm, what we're talking about now, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. So, you know, it's, it's back to the not good or bad. It just is. Yeah. It's just an, it's an interesting way of thinking, you know, when, uh, when everybody is, you know, as a younger kid, you know, like your parent, all the adults around you they all know, you know, this is, this is the way and you have to do, you have to do this, this, and this. And if you do this, this, and this, and everything's good. And then you, you find yourself, you're like, well, I've checked all the boxes. Everything's good. And then when you check all the boxes and everything's supposed to be good and it's not good or it doesn't feel good or whatever, then you're like, well, you know, well, maybe something's off. And then you, you know, you go on your way trying to figure out what that is. But then, whereas, and I'm just being hypothetical here, because like you said, the path was the path, you know, it, every, you know, it took what it took. Every step is on the path, right? Yeah. But, you know, there's part of you that wonders if, you know, if adults, you know, as a kid, if the adults around you had been like, you know what, we don't, we don't know, we don't have it all together, you know, this is just, this is just my best guess right now. This is, uh, you know, this has been my experience so far, uh, and you know that kind of like upfront honesty about things. You wonder if, you know. You, you would learn to uh, hold not knowing in a different way from an earlier age, you know? And I I remember the first times I remember getting any accolades from adults was when I joined the church and got quote saved. Yeah. And I liked getting accolades from adults. So that uh, I said, Hmm, they're happy with me because I got saved. Okay. And so that kind of, I kind of put that back. And I think it's the first time I ever heard my father say he was proud of me, you know, that kind of a thing, you know, oh, wow. when I'm like seven or eight years old, yeah. when I joined the church, you know, I mean, I even remember that. And I, I don't know how that has, uh, who knows how that's affected me over the years, as far as that idea that church and Jesus and the whole deal I got so many accolades. First time I ever thought people were really proud of me that I can recall that I remember. Yeah. So, I don't know how that factors into the whole thing. I don't know if you experienced that when you were a kid. Yeah, certainly. It's a, it's a really, you know, it's a very like, you know, now you're accepted. Now you're a part of the community. Now you're part of our group. Uh, and, and it's a, like, 
being included, being accepted, you know, especially at a young age is extremely powerful motivator. Now, my parents love me. They told me they love me. So it's not that. But it's just the first time I can recall experiencing that kind of uh, uh, acceptance, I guess, would be the, be a good word. I don't know. But yeah, it's interesting. I had to. Uh, I wanted to keep. I wanted to, to. You know, during the during the pandemic for me, I gosh, I got I got that meditation out. Um, well, I'm still recording more, but sober meditations got that to a place to where I could start talking about it. I started meditating more. I think I made a lot of good progress spiritually during the pandemic. Um, and uh, no, everything's the same. I'm like, same. <laughs> you sure? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Said, okay. So I just yeah. went on, and I decided just to start listening instead of wanting to talk about all the great things I'd been doing. You know. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, had to get the focus off of me again. What's interesting too, talking about that dogma and that idea of being right. I've got a. I'm meeting with the sensei today after our okay. meeting. I've got a couple of questions. Their dogma, I just, I'm still on the fence. I don't know if I can buy in. Uh, I was in a meeting the other night and there was some God shaming going on. You know, they have a, they have almost an opposite. If you have a God belief in quotes of any kind, um, like there was one one girl that was talking about that she knew things were as they were supposed to be and that there was purpose, blah, blah, blah. And one of the guys just immediately came back and said, well, you don't mean that there's a God and there's a purpose with all of this, do you? You know, like attacking her, you know. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. I said, I didn't sign up for all of this, <laughs> you know. So it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know. They've, they've, uh, I like meditating and I, I, I think I could learn some things from them. I've gotten some good epiphanies from the meetings I've gone to. All the books have a higher power of some type, a Buddha nature, God of some type, some source. But yet they, the individuals, really from what i can gather don't believe in any type of you know higher power so and they want to be very vocal about that and they want you to you know it's almost like you've got to buy into that i can't buy into that you know i can't, yeah i can't buy into that at this point well, again, into I'm, higher, go ahead i'm sorry no that's fine well i was just thinking how i get I get nervous, you know, any, anytime somebody's that sure of themselves about anything, it makes me nervous. That's the same thing I'm talking about. It's, it's the same sureness that I had in church when I was a kid. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Except the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I don't know. I mean, that's it. And it, it's a lot of the similar, similar kind of mindset, you know, people are, people are sure that there's a God. And you can't question that belief. You know what I mean? It's it's unquestionable. If you do, it's heresy and you're going to hell and you can't even think about it because, you know, because God is so fragile. If, you know, if some tiny little human is saying, you know, is there a God or not? He's going to crumble up and, you know. Uh, it's like a virus. You're going to infect yeah. everyone else. Yeah. And, and it's, it's the same way on the other side of it, you know, people that are so sure that there's not a God, you know, it's like, if you, you know, if you're, if you're openly curious and, and admit that you don't have it all figured out and maybe there's a God and maybe, you know, we don't know how it is. We're just trying to figure it out. You know, that's, that's unsettling to some, to anybody that, you know, that, are, you know, either they, they're not as sure as they say they are or, uh, or something, you know? 
I don't know like the phrase, but they were God shaming. And I was yeah. like, what? I said, come on, guys. I said, I didn't say anything because, you know, I'm, it's not up to me to straighten them out, you know. But yeah. I thought, hmm, I said, what if, I know for me, if somebody wants to believe that Jesus is the son of God, and I believe he was the son of God, but I believe we're all sons of God. I believe it's all, you know. My my ideas are softening. If you if I had to say, am I still a Christian or not? I would say yes. But do I believe that other people are on paths that are going to get them to the same uh, place or same? Yes, you know. I believe it's. I believe it's just what another way that that this source of the universe shows itself. You know, yeah. and. Uh, I think acceptance would be the way to go with that instead of, you know, shaming people or well, shaming them with hell, <laughs> Christianity, you know, or shaming them and, uh, you know, that you don't have it figured out. You can't be a Buddhist and have any kind of God belief in their opinion. From what I can see, maybe I'm just, you know, I- I'm just like, mm, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to talk with a sensei about that today and, just see if I can get a little better. And they're also liberal. And, you know, I'm not liberal. I'm very, I'm physically conservative and socially libertarian. And, you know, I with, you know, I have a concern for the environment. That's as far liberal as I go. Uh, and I don't know. They're just all so far left. I got, I just need to talk to, um, I just don't know. I, I think I need a teacher. I don't know if this guy can be it or not, or is it? Uh, I've been learning some good things from uh, from the talks I've been going to. So I don't know. We'll see. But it's interesting how similar it is to Christianity in attitude and dogma. You know, and insisting you, you know, and the guy leading the other night when this lady started talking about purpose, and I said, well, surely you don't mean this and this and this, you know? <laughs> and she was like, uh, no, I didn't mean that. <laughs> you know? Like she's having to conform into their little Zen box, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, ah, oh, don't need no boxes, please. I've thrown them out and I'm not getting more. Yeah. Well, that's, I'm starting to wonder if, if that's even a real possibility at this point, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think that there's an umbrella you can come under that's going to be like, okay, here's, you know, here's no boxes. Sometimes I wonder. The Unitarian Church is pretty close. They're pretty much anything goes. Uh, But uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's, you know, I'm going to leave it open uh, and just see. It's interesting. The books they read all have something of a higher power, Buddha nature, you know, a source, a God, some high, some source greater than you kind of source. Um, but they uh, they don't they don't seem to ascribe to that. They ignore that in the books we're reading, you know. And so it's kind of, hmm, I don't understand that. But uh I really enjoy some of the, like Joko Beck's book, Everyday Zen, is real good. I'm really enjoying the reading more than I am the the study. But uh, someone said something really good about acceptance the other day that I'd never heard. They said, if you're in a situation and it's bad and you're trying to accept it, this guy said, I found that if I just, think, well, instead of having hope, this situation is changing. What if I just accept things may never change? Yeah. He says, if I accept it as something that may never change, he says, I can accept it more, even though it's going to change. You know, it's like a, a mind fuck, like a mind play, you know? And I'm like, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That one down, you know, that was a good one. I've heard it put similarly before, yeah, that if uh if things stay if things stay exactly the same as they are right now, it'll be okay. And 
And uh, that that's not like, I don't necessarily take that as like, you know, nothing's going to change or, you, you know, you can't do anything about it. It's just, it's kind of like you play out, if there's something you're worried about or whatever, you play out this worst case scenario in your mind and then you accept it. You know? He was talking about a physical ailment. Yeah. Accepting something that was hurting and not, he said, if I lose, you know, if I don't keep thinking this is going to change, I can accept it more. So I thought that was good. Another thing I learned was uh, we were talking about experience and relating to someone's experience. And they were talking about reading a book from your heart instead of your head and that you hear the experience in what you're reading. And it was interesting that, that they had learned through meditation and through just practice to almost receive what they're reading into their heart without having to understand it first with a head knowledge. It was interesting. I haven't experienced that, but they had experienced that with some things they had read. These are guys that's been meditating for 20, 30 years kind of thing, you know? So they're much further on that path than I am. But it was uh, it was just interesting things like that. So I'm picking up some good things. So don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but I don't think I'll be able to drink the Kool Aid. You know, <laughs> put some more sugar in it. Oh, you know I don't know. You know it's just not. I'm I can't I can't drink the no God Kool Aid. Not yet. Don't know if I'll ever be able to. Well, I mean I don't I don't know that there's. I mean, I can't see that there's a need to. I don't think so either. But it's just interesting, the similarities. I never knew there would be those, you know. But I did not like the God shame. I mean, I didn't say anything, and I'm not going to. But uh, that's just not for me. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, sometimes I wonder if there's a way to, like, not necessarily, you know, call somebody out like, hey, that's wrong. You can't think that or you can't say that. But just, you know, figure out what the right questions to ask are to get to the, to, to, you know, to peel some layers back of that, that reasoning, that logic, you know, that those thoughts or feelings. I think they're probably, Zach, coming from the same place we came from with Christianity in that. It's all, for me, it seems to be a path toward this, we're all a drop of God. Like the Bhakti idea that God is love and that the best description of God is this ocean of love and that we're all drops out of that ocean. So that idea at first that we're, that there is a God, that there is a path of love. For us, that came through Christianity. Other people in the Zen, that can come through actually meditation. Then you lose self. I learned that through AA and the powerlessness. And the the further I went with that, the more I realized that these divider lines that I had between these divisions started softening. And maybe it seems to all be moving toward that we're all part of this big collective body. You know, that that we're all one, one consciousness. And that this God that we've put is something out there is really in here, in us. And that the idea of God is just the idea of this collective one, that we're all part of this one collective spiritually so that may be the that seems to be the direction i'm heading if i looked way off and saw the mountain that was distant that i was headed toward that looks like the way everything is heading do i believe jesus was son of god yes i do do i believe we're all sons of god yes i do can can this soften from that down to we're all one you know one intermingling being and we just can't see it that way. Yeah. You know, and maybe they're headed there 
but just from a slightly different path. They have to come from the no God to, oh, okay, we're all one collective and learning that it doesn't matter how you get there. You know, it doesn't matter the path you're on, you know, yeah. no more than for the Christian, it matters what path you're on, you know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. That idea that we have it figured out, though, has to go. No matter what we think the the path is, so it's us, us four, and no more. I think that yeah. has to, I think that idea has to go. I don't know. I'm just I got all that digging around this morning. So, chapter fifty five. That's the one. I really like. I'm glad you were late this morning. It gave me time to do my star translation, okay. which I didn't do last week, which I wished I would have done before it had some good stuff in it all right well you want me to read one or what yeah go ahead 55 he who is filled with virtue is like a newborn child wasps and serpents will not sting him Wild beast will not pounce upon him he will not be attacked by birds of prey. His bones are soft, his muscles weak, but his grip is firm. He has not experienced the union of man and woman, but his whole, his manhood is strong. He screams all day without becoming hoarse. This is perfect harmony. Knowing harmony is constancy. Knowing constancy is enlightenment. It is not wise to rush about controlling the breath causes strain if too much energy is used exhaustion follows this is not the way of Tao. whatever is contrary to Tao will not last long he who is in harmony with the Tao is like a newborn child its bones are soft its muscles are weak but its grip is powerful it doesn't know about the union of male and female, yet its penis can stand erect. So intense is its vital power, it can scream its head off all day, yet it never becomes hoarse. So complete is its harmony. The master's power is like this. He lets all things come and go effortlessly, without desire. He never expects results, thus he is never disappointed. He is never disappointed. One who is filled with the Tao is like a newborn child. The infant's protected from the stinging insects, wild beasts, birds of prey. Its bones are soft. Its muscles are weak, but its grip is firm and strong. It doesn't know about the union of male and female, yet its penis can stand erect because of the power of life within him. It can cry all day and never become hoarse. This is perfect harmony. To understand harmony is to understand the constant. To know the constant is to be called enlightened. To unnaturally try to extend life is not appropriate. To try and alter the life breath is unnatural. The master understands that when something reaches its prime, it will soon begin to decline. Changing the nature, changing the natural is against the way of the Tao. Those who do it will come to an early end. A person filled with the power of Tao is like a baby boy. Bees can't sting him. Wild beasts can't attack him. A baby has soft bones and weak muscles, but a firm grip. He hasn't had sex, but he can get an erection. That's because he's got lots of energy. He can cry all day and never lose his voice. That's because he's at one with the world. If you're at one with the world, you know constancy. If you know constancy, you've been enlightened. It's not healthy to try to prolong your life. It's unnatural to impose the mind's will upon the body. People waste time and energy trying to be strong or beautiful, and their strength and beauty fade. They've lost touch with Tao, and when you lose touch with Tao, you might as well be dead. Hmm. I like... Mitchell's. What are, we, are you going to title this one? Do I? 
This is the uh, the Dow of erections. <laughs> the Dow baby erections. Now that would be perverted, wouldn't it? I suppose so. Yeah. Here is uh, Mitchell's comments. They're pretty good. Like okay. a newborn child, the infant cries all day long without straining its throat. It clenches its fists all day long without cramping its hand. It stares all day long without weakening its eyes. Free from all worries, unaware of itself, it acts without thinking, doesn't know why things happen, doesn't need to know. And on the master's power is like this. To know harmony is to know the eternal. To know the eternal is to have insight. To improve upon life is ominous. To control the chi by the mind is aggressiveness. When they are too aggressive, things decay. This is not, this is non-Dao. Non-Dao soon ends. Doesn't need to know. Yeah. Some of that uh, uncarved block kind of stuff. I, uh, we don't need to learn more. We just need to know more. Yeah. Does that fit? It's not about Maybe. learning. It's about knowing. Yeah, I'm just... I'm just... That's such a, I don't know. I feel like that's such a powerful phrase there. You know, that doesn't, doesn't know why things happen, doesn't need to know, you know, just, I feel like in, in some ways I'm, that's like the thing I'm constantly trying to remember, you know, I'm trying to like recall this, that part of my childhood where I, that's the way that I was, you know what I mean? trying to remember not needing to know why everything worked the way that it worked and why everything was the way it was and how everything was and, you know, trying to put a label on everything, you know, this is, this is good and this is bad and all that. You know, that's what our whole conversation has been about this morning was the need to know. Yeah. Wow. It's amazing. We've had the conversation before we knew what we were talking about. Yeah. Huh. How many times does that happen for us that we're, it's like it's backwards. We don't <laughs> say, let's talk about not needing to know. And then we can talk about this and this and this. That's not what happens. You know, it's crazy. The need to know. Hmm. Our child, an infant, and we we have the need to know, so we immediately start programming our children with the need to know, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and you th you do it with all kinds of things that you think are normal, you know. Like I remember, I remember my kids, you know, girls. They would when they were young especially the oldest one, you know, she would see, you know, she'd see like a spider in its web. She would like walk up to it. She'd go put her face right up in it, you know? And, uh, I didn't really care, you know, but it's, it's funny. You watch, you watch adults watching a baby walk up to a spider and the, the baby the baby is not the least bit worried or scared or concerned. And all of the adults are like, ah, you know, freaking out. And, you know, you're going to kill yourself. And I don't know what they, you know, they, uh, are quite afraid. The master's power is like this. He lets all things come and go effortlessly without desire. He never expects results, thus he is never disappointed. He's never disappointed, thus his spirit never grows old. Is that letting go of the need to know in some regard? 
Yeah, in some regard. Yeah. Let's all things come and go without desire. Okay. Not expecting results. All of that is knowing, needing to know. Yeah. It's so interesting. Go ahead, I'm sorry. <clears throat> well, that's what I was looking at. The uh, His spirit never grows old. It's, it is kind of interesting how he frames it that way in terms of oldness, you know, because he's, it kind of compares the master sage. They compare them to back to, you know, back to the newborn screaming, you know, all day um, that you're, as as the master, your spirit will not be old. So, I don't know. Kind of a kind of an interesting thought, you know. That whole like, you know, you live your life to come back to the, you know, some of the same state of awareness that you had as a as a baby, you know. Yeah, you know the the idea that. Your spirit doesn't grow old because you lower your expectations. Yeah. That's how you remain young in spirit is having that not knowing mind that don't know mind. I think is the way Mm -hmm. I've heard it said that beginner's mind and the way we could start having that if we've lost it which I don't know any adult that has not, that we start letting go of outcomes. We don't expect results. We lower our desires. We let things come and go effortlessly without desire. That would bring us back into that childlike attitude of not having to know, not having to have it all figured out. Yeah. Hmm. It really is one of the one of the most uh, I don't know with you know having young kids and another one on the way. It is one of the things that I think about, but it is one of the most interesting things about you know looking at a a, a baby, you know, especially when they're really young, you know, is how how completely in the moment they are, you know what I mean? And it's not a, it's not a state that they've tried to achieve. It's not anything that they, you know, they, they just naturally are so completely in the moment. The only thing that matters at all is what's right in front of their face. Um, that, you know, um, it's, like this complete uh well it it says in the verse here uh it's complete harmony you know and it's the fact there's no more of their body to develop their body is already complete so there's nothing for them to expect there's no further expectation you know you know what i mean yeah yeah it's uh well it's that, I mean, certainly their body, their body's going to keep growing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it's not that they're like, Oh, my body's finished growing. It's just that that's not even on their radar. You know what I mean? Like, like as an, as an adult, I start, I think constantly like, well, I need to eat this kind of food or that kind of food, or you know, uh, you know, this habit and that habit and, constantly like you know thinking of things in terms of like i need to grow i need to grow myself you know i need to grow myself physically or spiritually or mentally all the different ways that you can develop yourself and the baby is not they don't have any of those thoughts and yet they're gonna they are gonna grow they're doing everything that they need to do yeah they're doing uh yeah i don't know it's just it's something uh 
it's it's just crazy to to try to imagine like what what that kind of life would be like as an adult you know where you're not trying to constantly move yourself somewhere else or you know be a different way or you know you know what i mean i know exactly what you mean i think we've dropped some of that but the world is so full of that uh is the opposite you know we've got to figure it out we've got to know where we're heading we've got to we've got to know everything we can possibly know we need to know we need to know how we're going to retire and what money we're going to have there. And do we have this? Do we have that? Is my roof going to start leaking? You know, this, that, you know, I've got mm-hmm. to know all these things. How old is my roof? Oh, maybe I need to plan. Those are expensive now, you know, and then I'm off into wherever, you know? And so that same kind of idea of just, I think what it is, is it just gets us out of the moment, all of that stuff. And what we're learning is that we need to bring it back to the moment. The things, it's interesting too, he lets things come and go effortlessly without desire. All of that's in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Expecting results is not in the moment. Having desire would be out of the moment because it'd be a future expectation. Hmm comes back to being in the moment, doesn't it? Yeah. And it starts out with, he was in harmony with the Tao, is the first phrase there. Yeah, that's just, that's just the, just the line I was looking at, actually. I was looking at the, at the star translation of that. Okay. And it says, one who possesses, as in Tao De Ching, it's the day, T-E. Mm-hmm. One who possesses day in abundance is how it says it. Mm-hmm. So that is in harmony with the Tao is talking about virtue, power, character. That's all the ways day. That's the, the, the power of the Tao. Yeah. So one who, who has that power is like this in its fullness, in its abundance. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I'm thinking about at the at the end when it's talking about the master um who who never says he never expects results. And then Comparing that, you know, to the, it says, he who is in harmony with the Tao is like a newborn child. So it's like these two, it's, it's kind of, it's showing you like two pictures. You know what I mean? You've got the, the old master and the young master, essentially. Like these, these two states where you've achieved mastery is a baby and you know the older person or I, I I don't know I don't know how old you have to be but they're old they're not a baby you know what I mean and um, the the baby you think of as having this very like they're very single-minded they're not they don't have ulterior motives um they don't have you know they don't have an agenda they don't have a plan they're they're working out oh, the only thing they have zach is they will cry to get you to come pick them up <laughs> they want to be loved yeah cared for that is their 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 agenda you know <laughs> yeah but, but even in that it's just a reaction it's like a it's it's not like a uh, like how can I get somebody to come pick me up or how can I get somebody to love me? It's just like stubbing your toe. You know what I mean? If you uh, you don't have it and then you scream, you know what I mean? Like they, if they if they need attention, 
they scream. It's a reaction. It's not a, uh, it's not a plan, you know, it's not a, yeah, something that they've devised. A preconceived, uh, premeditated deal. Yeah. You know, uh, like my son, when we took him for a six month checkup, I asked the doctor in front of my wife, I said, uh, how old does he have to be before we can let him cry himself to sleep? He said, six months old. I said, how old is he now? He said, six months old. I said, now you heard that, right? She said, yeah, I heard it. First night he cried for 15 minutes, 20 minutes and went to sleep. Second night, 10. I think the third night, maybe a couple of three minutes. And then after that, he didn't cry again when it was time to go to sleep. You know, I, uh, and we did that not because we hated him. We loved him. He needed to learn to go to sleep, you know? So we, what appeared to be love was letting him suffer a little. It's kind of interesting though. He didn't, he wasn't mad at us the next day. He was happy to see us. <laughs> He'd forgotten it. You know, he never, he was smiling and all happy when he woke up. So it wasn't like he, you know, bit us when we picked him up because we made him, you know, cry himself to sleep the night before. Yeah. Kids are pretty, they're pretty resilient. They don't and it's in the tend to hold a grudge. And it's in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of theories floating around about the best way to do that. And, I don't, I don't know, know what you right is. or not. I'm just, you know, using it as a an example of of love that may not look like love, you know. Yeah. Well, so what I was thinking about was like this: how, you know, one of the things we keep, or at least that I keep, you know, kind of coming back to or wondering about, is you know that whole like effortless action kind of idea you know it's so paradoxical to me it it just no matter how many times I hear an explanation for it and think well that kind of makes sense just the whole the whole concept seems so you know impossible to me that I I just can't I can't stop thinking about it you know how how it works and all that stuff but like you know, I think the the baby here in this, you know, in this verse makes for a pretty good example of that, you know, that effortless action. And, that, and in fact, that's what they're saying, you know, they, they, uh, they can, you know, they'll, they'll run, scream, yell, be excited all day long and not and that's and that's in perfect harmony with the Tao. You know what I mean? All of that, all of that effort, all of that energy, is is complete harmony. See, and that that's interesting to me. Okay. The reason I think for the child, it is effortless effort. It is still effort. The baby still cries, which is effort. Mm-hmm. the baby grasps all those things is that it's without it is free of agenda and free of ego just like the sage lets things come and go effortlessly because there's no desire attached same same kind of idea i think I think we get hung up on the effortless part as if it's, you know, without our effort. I think it is about without our agenda, our selfish agenda. Maybe a better way to say effortless effort would be effort without self or effort, selfless effort, maybe. Yeah. I don't I don't know. Well, just like well, maybe a good example of that, Zach, is what we've talked about this morning. We didn't sit and create an outline or either discuss before what we were going to read or talk about. 
and come up with a outline to discuss, we just started talking and it just happened. We had to show up. We had to be available. And the rest of it just followed. We we kind of just observed it happening, right? I think that's yeah. effortless effort. It's it's without our push and force. Yeah. And I I guess I guess part of it too, you know, we were talking about at the beginning, you know, that idea of not knowing and mm-hmm. becoming more comfortable with with that state of not knowing. And um, I guess that's the thing. One of the things that kind of gets me about this, that this idea of effortless effort um, is you're not, you're not going to know when you're there. You know what I mean? Like if you're really there, if you're really like in the moment, you can't say to yourself, I'm really in the moment. You know what I mean? You're, I, I don't know if that makes sense or not. It might not. But like the baby, the baby never thinks to himself, you know, how peaceful it is to be of a single mind, you know, to not have an agenda. Right. They, they don't realize that they've achieved that state. And it just makes you wonder, like, if it's possible to hold those two things at the same time, you know, can you, can you really lose your, I don't, if you, in terms of ego, you know, I don't know if you can lose your ego and be aware that you lost your ego at the same time. I don't know. How about about this? I was, I was meeting with a sponsor yesterday and we were discussing the sixth step. Think about how this relates to what we were just talking about, about effortless effort and all Wu Wei and all of that. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. That is a state of effortless effort. It doesn't say we ask God to remove our defects of character. This is a sixth step. It says we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Mm-hmm. So we were ready for them to be removed by God, not ready, not praying for them to be removed, not trying to remove them. We're just in a state of readiness. Mm-hmm. And our problem was the issue was not to remove them, but not only to be ready, but to be entirely ready, which means willingness that that is the letting go is to be, okay, God, I'm ready. Anything you need out of me, I'm available. Is that readiness to act? Um, and I think this is a lot the same way is that I think our job is to become more available in the moment in more moments of the day and just be available entirely ready and let just leave room for this power force of the universe to do with us what, you know, to do our part, whatever that is. Um, and that's really letting go of desire, letting go of expectations, letting things come and go is being entirely ready. I see a lot of parallels there. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the, the notion of being entirely anything is a little uncomfortable for me. Like me too. Even that, you know, like even I could say I'm entirely ready, but like, I mean, even that I'm like, am I, you know, am I really, or am I just saying it, you know? But, but, but isn't the first uh, action toward making a change is a lot of times is in the affirmation of that or in the saying of that, like 
with resentments. If you look at in the big book, page 552, talking about when we have a resentment against someone, we um, we pray for them, even when it's empty words and we don't we don't mean it. And it's just empty words and we don't mean what we're saying. We do it anyway. So it's this idea of, of, uh, you know, well, just like was a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Stephen Mitchell. Thanks for everything. I have no complaint whatsoever. Yeah. 53, was it? 51, 53, whichever one it was we were talking about. Right. I've been using that. Yeah. A lot. It's 51. Uh, I've been using that a lot. I have it on my calendar now. It pops up like four or five times a day. Thanks for everything. I have no complaint whatsoever, you know? And so yeah. you know, I'm, I'm using that as an affirmation when a lot of times I do have a complaint, but that's, but I'm saying something different, you know, and it's changing how I'm thinking. Yeah. You know, that chapter in the big book is into action, not into thinking, you know, <laughs> for a reason, because we have to get into action. You know, for me, that action is letting go of those desires and not expect and I don't expect results when I let go of desire. That just uh, happens naturally when I let go of desire. Yeah, that's good stuff. Let me look and see if I've got anything else in the star things that are forced and pushed decay a loving heart is your strength i really like mitchell's translation best whatsoever is not of the Tao comes to an end being comfortable with not knowing huh yeah because desire is knowing right or the need to know could be yeah yeah absolutely hmm. it's interesting my christian thinking was all about me knowing security yeah so that was a a belief system that created knowing now i can have that belief system without that but that's that's how i interpreted it it fed my knowing my need to know yeah made me feel secure yeah i definitely think that there's a christian tradition that doesn't include that you know that that you you know that sort of ultra fundamentalist like you know there's an answer for everything uh I think it. I think it depends on how we come at Christianity. If we're come at coming at Christianity from a place of love and acceptance, or are we coming at Christianity from a place of fear? If we're down on fear and we're coming at Christianity because we're afraid we're going to die and go to hell, then we're going to. I'm going to keep creating other ways to know more because I'm there to know. I'm not there to love. I'm there to know. That's a whole nother deal. Yeah. If God changes my heart and I move toward love, then it's okay if people don't agree with me. It's okay if it's just okay. My desires for what other people to think or know diminishes. They don't have to agree with me. Right. Nor do I have to nor do they have to know my opinion if I think something's different. Doesn't matter. The divisiveness starts leaving. It starts going. The walls start coming down, you know, which is the whole point, I think. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. You have any questions for for the sensei today? I asked him how long I should be meditating. Yeah, what do you say? You'll know when you've meditated enough. <laughs> I said, that's not an answer, man. I need to know exactly how long yeah. I have to meditate. <laughs> yeah. I need, a, I need a rule. I need a rule. Exactly. I need to know. <laughs> I, need, I have a desire that you need to achieve for me. I need to know, you know. 
Yeah. <laughs> he said most most uh, meditate twenty to thirty minutes twice a day is the, type of the rule of thumb. Unless yeah, you, that's a lot. You what? That's a good bit. That's the average. That's the average zener, Zen practitioner. <laughs> zener. <laughs> zener. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the Georgia plural. The Georgia person who practices Zen, I guess, is is a Zener. We know. We know all the good words. Do what? And we know all the good words. That's it. Zenist. Zen practitioner. He said, now, if you really want enlightenment and want to really get serious, you may meditate a lot more. <laughs> I said, okay. But uh, I don't know. I'm just, I just want to, I, I still think I need a teacher for some reason. Maybe that's my need to know. Maybe I don't need a teacher. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, it's, it's a good question. I'm going to let this resonate. There's more. There's a lot more. This is going to be this need to know, I think, is one of the base ego issues. And it permeates everything. This need to know. And it goes back to letting go again where we started. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're meeting with him in a, in a little bit. Yeah. So what what are you going to ask him? What, you got a plan? I'm going to ask him what traits I should look for in a teacher. And if I, if I really need a teacher or not, his opinion from people and from his years practicing Zen, do I really need a teacher? And then what traits I should look for. and just see uh, from there what evolves in conversation. So I, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. I I like him. He's a really great guy. He'll come on and talk if we ever want him on. He's happy to come on. He'll come on anytime. And uh, I think he's going to be on the Dow podcast sometime. He, he said he'd be happy to. Yeah, I'd be in too. He's a really nice guy. But I'm learning how to you know, you have to bow to them and do the hands and the bow and all of that. I'm learning how to be respectful and the Japanese words there. You've got the Zendo, which is where you meet and you meet for Sangha. You call him a sensei. Mm-hmm. So that's, the, that's, I'm learning the, the vernacular, but uh, we'll see. I don't know. I'm, I think I have to look at the fruit if there's things I don't like, but yet I feel I'm getting something out of it, then I think I need to ignore the things I don't like. Maybe that's where I'm landing right now. Or, you know, the, I don't know, somebody, uh, somebody in AA or something told me one time, he said, just take what you can use. Yeah. Who was that? Take what you can use and leave the rest. That's exactly it, Zach. That's exactly it. So I think I'm looking for the perfect place. I'm not going to find it because I've arrived there. You know, it's not going to be perfect anymore. You know? Yeah. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. But I am learning about meditation and it's interesting how their path to enlightenment is all meditation. Nothing else. Now they do some service and things, but their idea is that once you're free of self, through meditation, then all that's left is compassion. So they're arriving at the same place, just using a, a different medium to get there. Yeah. I'm fixing to start studying uh, John Main's book on Christian meditation with a sponsee. We're fixing to start reading that. We're finishing up the 12th tradition right now. Then we're going to start reading that book on uh, Christian meditation. So I'm okay. interested to see. I've listened to his stuff, but I haven't read the book. So I'm interested. You know, he died in the 80s. Uh, but he uh, he brought meditation back into the Christian community. Uh, and it there was a Christian a practice of meditation, you know, with the early fathers. And then it was lost over time. 
So he brought it back into uh, the forefront. So I'm interested in seeing, he uses a ma mantra for his meditation. So what, what kind of meditation is that with a mantra? Um, whatever it is. Yeah. The, the mantra one. The mantra meditation. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested in seeing how his book goes. Uh, oh, uh, transcendental. Transcendental. Okay. Medi meditation. I think is what they, one of them, mindful one of them that uses the mantra, right? Mindful is mindful. Meditation is focusing on the breath. Mostly. I, I think so. Okay. I don't know. If you don't know it, we can just make up a word for it. It won't hurt anything. They don't understand my accent anyway. So. <laughs> Some Indian word. Have I, have I got to learn uh, whatever the Indian language is too? <laughs> <laughs> there's all these languages with all these things meshed together and i'm like fuck i don't want to learn a new language i've been working on chinese for the Tao Te ching now japanese for the zen do i have to uh, learn what is it Hin i don't know it's not hindu what what is it whatever the language is uh sanskrit whatever it is for in for that indian language you know yeah i already had to learn english for jesus yeah <laughs> That's good, man. <laughs> and some Greek. I learned some Greek for Jesus, too. No. Oh, yeah. All right, my friend. Is that it? You good? That's it. We'll see. All right. Thanks. Later. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends in recovery.